Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with an encore presentation of Rising Tide Startups. And one of my favorite guests has, has donned the mic again, Kenny Klein. Kenny, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide Encore. Oh, great to be back. A real honor to be back. Hey, man, it's uh, it's good to uh, that we we kind of jumped a couple of scheduling hoops and, and uh, kind of made this happen again. But Kenny, for those that don't know you, please share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I generally work now in, we call it niche media. So I create, manage, run um, sites that are focused on passionate audiences. So I had a number of these sites that I've uh, created over the years and sold most of them in 2020, uh, shortly after the pandemic started, uh, not related, we kind of been planning that sale for a while. And then um, uh, and since uh, took took a little bit of time off, uh, slowed down and back in the game a little bit in a bit of a different role, but similar area for a site called Barbend. And we just acquired another one called Breaking Muscle, uh, which is focused on strength sports. So we're, mm -hmm. we're, um, we're a team of uh, 15 strong now, just all content producers, essentially um, targeting that really intense weightlifter. I, I always say I go to the gym uh, about three times a week and uh, I can't read barbend because it's too intense for me. Uh, that's the level of the kind of like, you know, weightlifting specimen that we're, that we're looking for uh, on the site. Um, and so, so that's been the, that's been the journey thus far. Uh, now currently based in Nashville, uh, previously in, in Brooklyn. So adjusting that whole new media scene as well. Well, I think about the, the time we talked on the first episode, I think you were either making the transition or had just made it. I can't remember if uh, if that was the case, but actually, I think you were still in Brooklyn when we, when we talked the first time. Yeah, but, I think we were um, in Brooklyn that one, yeah. It is, uh, yeah, I, he, he mentioned off camera, he's about to be dad for a second time, and so uh, life's about to change around the client household, but yes. and it's, uh, it is so good to have you back on, but Let's let's lay a little bit of a foundation for the for our new listeners. That so when you talk about niche media, when you talk about you know these are really focused uh, websites, and they were you know you say okay, I want to talk about you know cheeseburgers. You know I, everybody that loves cheeseburgers, that's who we're going to target. You know people that just love that over everything else, and we're going to just really make a site that is just kind of an information site and and just build a community around that so what were some of the early i guess niche sites that you really focused on or niche areas that you focused on maybe that that really just took off yeah well and I'll, i won't mention the ones that didn't because there were a number uh when i didn't know what i was doing it just kind of <laughs> went by the wayside um but uh the first um first smaller where i really got my feet wet so we're talking you know give you sense of numbers maybe tens of thousands of visitors a month, maybe a couple thousand bucks in revenue. Um, the first one was called, I, I love telling this one, it's called Rash Resource. It was a site all about rashes. Uh, that you're having one, let me let me try to help wow. you, out, you know? Uh, this was in 2012, I think I launched that site. And uh, it was a quick up and then it kind of forgot about it, moved on. And I had another one that was about world population statistics. So just like, you know, if you're looking for the info on a given city, this and that, um, demographics, all that, I had kind of everything sitting there for you. 
So those are my early like small, small fries sites, but it kind of got my feet wet, learned a lot as I was developing it. And then my first you know, site of scale was uh, when I launched a, a mattress review site, mm-hmm. um, which um, we launched in 2014, my partner and I, right before Casper launched their company, which Casper kind of put mattresses on the map in, yep. in a very big way, I'm sure. I'm sure your listeners are especially the online retailer space for sure exactly yeah. exactly um so we had a mattress review site and within and, and that did great and that's kind of our first one uh within that acquired a couple other mattress review sites um started bar band a weightlifting site started mm-hmm. a, a home security site um and uh i've got a few more in the works now uh, that i'm thinking about uh and so it, it's pretty it's it's a it's actually the best time i think to launch a site like this and the worst time um there's a lot of competition so yeah. um if you're if you've got your eye on you know credit card recommendations like you're going up against you know literally billion dollar companies that mm-hmm. are that are very skilled in at executing this type of business model but um you know if you if you're looking to blog in a in an area of interest or to create content in, in an area of interest uh there's so much opportunity. There's so many tools that make it so easy. Um, the ad networks are really picking up their game. So you don't, so it's a little easier to monetize than it used to be. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of more info out there on how to do it. So how to create a blog, how to find ideas on what to blog about, how, what information to look at. And so, um, so it's an exciting time, I think, uh, not to mention all the other, you know, media platforms there are, right. you, you don't have to do it. That was my, my question when you mentioned that, because, you know, and I, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a geezer. I am an old man. And, and, but to, when you use the word blog, that almost, that's like, you know, 2005 called and once they're, you know, their right, web right. Presence <laughs> back. so, I mean, compared to the, the, you know, the prevalent social media, you know, TikTok, Instagram, those, mm-hmm. those outlets, how does it compete? How do blogs compete in today's market, especially with a, you know, the Gen Z, you know, younger demographic? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I mean, to compare to uh, the average TikToker, I think I'm an old user also. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, there's not one right or wrong way to do it if, if you're doing it. But I think the the skill of blogging is you're, you're usually utilizing um, Google as your primary traffic source. Mm-hmm which is just a massive, massive, predictable traffic source at this point. Um, And so it's nice in that way where if you put in the work, you're going to have a, and you do it in the right way, you're going to have a level of success. Um, You know, does that, you know, are you going to hit certain projections exactly or, or, you know, um, this or that? Like, it depends on how long you do it, but I think a lot of people have had success in it um, and are, are building up. It, it has a great base and the people that do it really right, I think, uh, use that as a foundation or use one of these other channels as, as a foundation and then expand to all of them. So it's really, what are you really good at? Where can you make your mark quick? And then, you know, even if you're on TikTok, um, again, I'm not a TikTok expert by any means, but um, just being a TikToker doesn't translate into revenue and right. you, know, you know, TikTok's pretty young, but as we've seen historically, every platform changes mm-hmm. uh, in terms of its reach, in terms of um, you know how your content gets shown, um, 
And so I would say if you're on TikTok and you've got an audience, that's awesome. You're doing it right. But can you get those people on an email list too? Or can you transition that? Can you also write some articles and start doing the blog thing? You know, it's, it's really about taking your core expertise and leveraging it to being more predictable thing and creating a flywheel of content where right. if you have an email list then you promote your tiktoks or you promote your blog or whatever mm-hmm. and, and it cycles through and it just grows it even even faster um and again like i think back in the day to do all these things was so tough because nobody knew anything about anything and we're just all making it up back in the days like 2014 not that not that <laughs> long ago but uh but now it's like you know creating blogs easy like creating I, you know tiktok i i just haven't spent the time but i could figure it out pretty quickly and you know mm-hmm. it's pretty relatively easy to make those right. videos right we all have phones we're walking around with the qualities right. of the editors in there right so um you know youtube's another great channel um that that i'm uh, a big fan of and so you know compared to creating a video in 2010 versus creating a video now is is a remarkable difference so i, I think it's it's easy um again harder because you have more competition out there but if you're consistent and really keep executing on your plan um over time it gen it, it, like a lot of people have had great success on on all the platforms I think. right that, i mean that, that's such a great explanation and and especially when you know when you were talking about you know if you just have an audience that that's not enough and you have to monetize that audience somehow you have to figure that out i mean um you know, I, I told you off off camera that uh my my daughter is trying to be a kind of a tiktok influencer and you know she uh-huh. may have a following of 400,000 people, but at the, at the stage she's at translating that into dollar dollar bills, yo, is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's, it is, it is difficult because that may be a 400,000 disparate, you know, people audience. There's, they're not, you know, 400,000 that, that love country music, you know, or whatever that that particular thing is, but um, without, without diverging or divulging any of the secret sauce or IP, you know, of of your companies. But when you look at sites, what is the, what are you looking for? Like when you you say, Hey, we want to launch a site, you know, that's going to be in a specific area. I mean, the things that come to mind are, you know, like keyword search and, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that competition and, and ad costs and stuff like that. But there's probably more to it than that because, but I, I mean, I also think that, you know, looking at your list of sites, you're thinking, you know, you, you don't have to be passionate about this. You're not passionate about rashes. <laughs> you're not, right. you know, you weren't passionate about mattresses, you know, right. you were just, this was just, you know, the, the things fit the kind of that your own formula, you know, that you had created, but right, right. what are you looking for? Um, I think that the, and th- those are pretty clear cut, but, but can you draw a circle around a group of readers or people and mm. put them together in a content area? So barbend, you know, weightlifting is one, but it's, it's actually a couple of different physical sports that we, that we cover. Um, and so in my mind, it's like, all right, what's, what's the topic and what are you really, what are you really looking to provide to a specific group of people like you've got a plant behind you right uh in in the shot and you know that is such a wide broad world by itself even right like plants okay are they house plants are you vegetable gardening are you keeping chickens in the backyard are you a landscape developer that wants to create a business right like all of these 
different categories, right? How do you how do you draw a circle around a certain type of, of people and speak to them directly? And the more directly you speak to your reader, the more success you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, second to that, it is keyword research, but there's always endless things to write about in any niche. Um, so it's not a question of if, it's, it's a question of competition. Mm-hmm. And so like I mentioned, credit cards, and there's a number of other niches where it's really, really competitive. Um, there are a number of other niches where, particularly if you're interested in it, you know, it's not that competitive mm-hmm. um, relatively. And that, that doesn't mean you're going to have instant success. Right. But it does mean if you keep at it and, you know, after a period of time, you, you will have, um, you know, some measure of success typically. Um, and so um, it, it's all about scale too. What, the, the size, this is excluding the RAF site, but kind of like what are your goals long-term if you want to think about this? It, it's like, it's serious relationship starting a website if you're going to keep at it. Yep. Uh, you know, my sites I've all run for minimum of five years before I sold them. And you could, I could have sold them earlier, but mm-hmm. typically you're, you get more and more rewards. Right. The value would have been less. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you, as you keep them. And so um, it's really about, you know, can you, can you, what are you trying to achieve over the period of time that you're trying to accumulate? Mm-hmm. So to me um, with my big, big company, I was after, I was like, I want every site to be able to make a million dollars a month. Like that was and can I draw a big enough circle or the right circle so that that's the case? And I didn't. Pretty lofty didn't goal. Yeah. And, and I wasn't saying, hey, next month. I was saying, mm-hmm. you know, in 10 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I was just kind of like, that seems like, like a pretty big goal. Um, and I didn't make it. But I got, I got uh, with my last company, a fair bit of the way there. And, uh, and with Barbon, we're a fair bit of the way there. So even if you fall short, um, you're still in a you know, pretty nice range, right? It sounds like this, that Disney quote that says, you know, aim for the, what's it, aim for the moon. And if you miss, you fall among the stars or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. <laughs> Which astronomically makes no sense, but, uh, <laughs> but it's the quote, yeah. <laughs> hey, but Jiminy Cricket said it or somebody. Said yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I read it on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. People say it's definitely true. And I believe <laughs> like, Hey, if you, you know, if you're aiming for a million bucks a month and you only get to 600,000, you know, I don't feel yeah, that poor Kenny. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but that doesn't have to be anyone's goal. You know, um, a lot of people's like my first goal when I started my very first time, I was like, I want to make 10,000 bucks a month mm-hmm. so that I like never have to get a, a job. Like, uh, and that was, I think that's a lot of people's first goal or 5,000 a month or whatever. Right. And I think that's why blogging, uh, is really cool is because you can, a lot of people have achieved that in blogging in the most random, right. you know, niches, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day that I had done this in plants and he just had a, like, I don't even, I don't know plants very well. Some subset of subset of house plants was his thing. And he was making 10,000 bucks a month and he was obsessed with whatever this sub subplot of plants was. And so how awesome is that? He, he quit his job. He was a, you know, 40, 50 year old guy, whatever he was and, and, uh, and achieved that outcome. And now he just, stays home and writes about plants and maybe another year or two he's making 20,000 a month like way more than he was making at his at his job um so it's a lot of work it's not to say you don't have a job anymore but um I think it's it's pretty exciting that 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 opportunity exists in the world you know it it didn't exist 20 years ago um and so there's no doubt about that no doubt about it you, you mentioned acquiring sites like smaller sites to kind of maybe aggregate yeah. into the, your larger sites. So 
is is that normally just like a multiple of ad revenue? Is it based on their email list? And and do you automatically assume that when you absorb a smaller site into your larger site that you're going to lose 30% or, you know, is, is there kind of, is there going to be a, you know, a, a, a loss there, you know, out, uh, out the back door type thing? Sure. Well, yeah, there's always, there's always um, different levels of acquisition, right? So uh, it's cool. There's a lot of platforms like Empire Flippers or Flippa mm -hmm. or a number of others micro acquire more SaaS stuff, but a lot of good platforms where you can look at what's available. Most commonly, um, when I buy, it's a, it's a multiple of uh, profit. Yeah. Um, and so uh, not always the case, um, but I have bought a site that was really not profitable. So it's like, you can't, can't do that, right? Right. Uh, so what other factors does it have, have it going for it? What's the growth rate? Does it have an email list? Um, what's the size of the market? You know, what's, what's the state of the company? Um, all these things are kind of measures of it, but, um, uh, what's interesting too, and, and what we've taken advantage of and people that bought me took advantage of is the bigger you are, the higher the multiple. Mm -hmm. So say your site's making a hundred grand a year, probably a common multiple would like be three or four. So you would sell for three or $400,000, which is great. Um, if your site is maybe in the three, $4 million profit range, it might sell for six times the profit or eight times profit. Um, so some 20 to $30 million. Um, and then if you, if you're at like eight, nine, 10 million profit, it'll sell for, for 10 times uh, plus. Again, all the other factors measure in, but so what's interesting is um, to your question, you, when I buy a site, I always assume things are going to go bad um, just because, you know, it's a safe assumption. I don't, I expect things will go better, of course, in the yeah. long run. Um, you kind know, of hedging you know, your bet a little bit. Hedge your bet. You know, if, if does this have to, you know, get bigger uh, for me to consider it, or what if it stays flat? And then when you remove like the founder from the equation, there's always, you know, what can go wrong? Were they yeah. doing something you weren't aware of? Um, how does Google view this? You know, et cetera, et cetera. But a nice hedge too is like like the multiples I mentioned. If you buy a smaller site and you're paying four times profit, and your site is valued at six times profit and you take their profit and add it to your profit, you have a, a, a nice hedge there and that you bought it for four times profit and now it's worth six times profit just because mm. you now own it. Yeah. So that's a nice protection as well. You know, it's a, it's a longer term game, right? It doesn't right. mean more money the next like month. Automatic appreciation, like instant right. appreciation. Yeah. I right. never, that had never dawned on me. That, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, even I understood that, you know, when you explained it, so. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, uh, that's why you see a lot of, that's one of the reasons you see a lot of aggregation in, in the web world now. Like a lot mm -hmm. of the companies keep buying more and more sites. One, because they have access to capital and expertise and all that, but two, because financially it's, it's a really good decision. Generally. Right. So last time we talked, I think you were, you had either just exited or you were on the, on the exit trail from, uh, I think maybe the mattress uh, site. Yeah, are, yeah. Are pretty close to that. So, I mean, your, your lifestyle shifted virtually overnight. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what, I mean, you know, for those of us that one day aspire to, you know, to be sitting in that seat, what's it like going from, you know, Gary V land of hustle, you know, mania to, uh -huh. um, 
what, what am I, I can, I can sleep till 10. I may right, right. I just go down to Starbucks and spend the afternoon. I don't have to even take my laptop. If I don't want to. So yeah. what is the, what was the transition like for you? And what were some of the lessons that you, you think you maybe learned that you had to learn over time to kind of put into place to, to make that transition? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think mine was perhaps even more extreme than most. Um, because I was, I was living in, uh, you know, New York, New York, Brooklyn, New York, um, had this exciting live company. I was, I was loving working really, really hard. And like I said, we sold very shortly after COVID started. And so the plan, you know, you have all these dreams, you're working so hard because you're like, oh, we're going to, you know, we were going to travel the world literally, um, when we, when I sold, um, and, and kind of put off some things to do that. And so COVID hits. And we immediately move out of Brooklyn to Nashville, Tennessee, to my in-laws house and sit there uh, <laughs> for about a year, right? Because you can't go anywhere. And so- I'll sit on a load of I'm cash not, and I can't spend I'm, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in Paris. I'm not in Bali. I'm not in wherever. I'm in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee, in my in-laws house uh, with nothing to do, right? Um, you can only order so much crap off Amazon. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'm not, I was, you know, I was more about the experience. I didn't want yeah, to buy, exactly. there was nothing I wanted for in terms of stuff I was going to buy. I literally bought, I was like, oh, I want to buy a nice something for myself to commemorate it. And I like bought a jacket and it was too small and I returned <laughs> it. And like, that was, that was it, you know, like I just forgot about it. So um, it, it was very dramatic in that sense. And uh you'll hear a lot when you sell and you have that big kind of exit that, that in a way it kind of is difficult because you had a lot to do and you had a lot of purpose and you had a lot of expectation and then it quickly goes away and suddenly nobody cares about you anymore. Nobody calls you. And uh, Kevin, you called me. So thank I'll you. still call you. I appreciate it. You still called me. <laughs> appreciate it. Nobody else called. Me. Um, and, and I had nothing to do. So I couldn't like go make, I was in a new city. I had no relationships. I couldn't, you know, people are like, oh, let's go for, you can go hiking in COVID as I had no one to hike with. Right. Um, and so uh, it was, it was a, a tough period. I think um, having a young kid and just being like your world changing so dramatically and not in the way, and this was a lot of people suffered during this time. So like, and everyone had a tough time. So I had probably the best version of a tough time. Uh, you know, you sell and everything's secure and great and, and wonderful. So not a complaint, but it was, um, you know, not the, not the period of time I was expecting. And it probably took me a year, year and a half, maybe even two years now to like really feel like settled and like, like I'm kind of ready for the next stage of, of whatever's to come. That is, uh, I, were there times that you woke up and you thought, man, I kind of miss the hustle. I miss going in the you know, the co-working space, the office or, or wherever you were working at that time. And, and um, I mean, even, even missed working with people, you know, sitting yeah. in a, like a, this bullpen environment and just, you know, we're just hustling together and everybody's pulling in one direction to, to make something happen type thing. And like teaming all those things that just overnight just disappeared. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and I think, um, you know, you don't, you don't realize that you're in, you know, it's, it feels like stress and, and maybe um, in the moment when it's happening and then you look back and you're like, oh, those were, that was fun. You know, like mm -hmm. we were just two guys writing a, a blog, you know, and then it turned into, 
35 people and it's like who knows where it could have gone from there if we we kept going but um yeah it's definitely you know i'm getting a a second chance at at life in a different way not at life at career in this sense and so making sure i appreciate it i am enjoying it a lot more Mm -hmm. Um, one because you take the time to really enjoy it and and some of the initial stresses are gone let's acknowledge that too or like yeah i'm not worried about paying the rent uh with with this website or whatever um, but also I learned a lot about how I built the company and why I'm doing what I'm doing along the way and along that reflection. So this round is a lot better because of that, um, focus and that, and those strategies I've implemented and just like the people I have around me, um, are some of the same people, but we've just kind of solidified our relationships and how we work together and, and, uh, have grown in appreciation of each other, um, over time as well. So some of let, let's just play hypothetical for a second. So some of those people that were with the original site that you sold that were that were employees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's watched movies on, you know, how how owners exited companies. And, you know, mm-hmm. was this one where you literally sat down with the, you know, with the group? Was it still kind of that family atmosphere? You sat down and said, Hey guys, we've got an offer to buy this company. And you know, this is what we, we think we may do. Um, this may have this effect on you type thing, or is this one of those things where you just kind of walked in on a Friday and said, uh, by the way, I just sold the company, you know, type, yeah. type thing. So, um, I, I know you, it's like, how do you balance that as the leader? You've got to keep things kind of under wraps until they happen, but yet, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to just pound that on, you know, just drop that on somebody you know, out of the yeah. blue, but, um, and was maybe part of that was negotiated into the, into the deal just said, Hey, you know, we're going to keep this running and you're, you're, these people need to stay on type thing, or we would appreciate that. But how do, yeah. how do you, what's, what do you say in hindsight? What are, what are some lessons that, you know, the people that are looking at exiting, what do you, what would you, how would you advise them? Yeah, it's, it's a really tough thing. You highlighted a lot of the challenges where, um, you know, and we were of a size where, 35, not a huge company, but it's not a couple people also. Yeah. So, and everyone react, reacts to news differently. That's what I, I really learned that again in that process, but I did not, other than like, you know, my partners that were in the, in the discussions with the deal with me, we didn't tell anyone that it was happening. Um, and I reached out to a number of people that had sold and they're like, you can't, you can't tell anybody hmm. uh, just because uh, one, the deal may not happen. I've had sure. deals that don't happen. Then you bring folks along on this roller yeah. coaster ride that um, that you don't want to, um, and and results going to be the same whether they know or not. And mm-hmm. you know they didn't really sign up for that roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um, as as an employee, generally, right? So uh, so we didn't tell anyone, and I think that was the right decision. Um, I would always recommend that. Every case is unique, but. Um, the, the tough part too, I think two tough parts is one that the companies that bought us, they kept about three fourths of the employees. Um, mm-hmm. That means they didn't keep about one fourth. So that mm-hmm. was tough delivering that news. Um, certainly the worst part of, of the deal um, for me and for, and for them, of course. And so, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that, you know, like it was tough, but I don't know how I would have done it differently to make it better. You know, we, yeah. we provide severance and things like that, um, you know, try to be thoughtful about it, but, you know, particularly, and this was again, 
that and the worst part is right after COVID. So I've worked with these people in person for some of them for years. And we did it all via Zoom when, when Zooming was like just new, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah. uh, you know, essentially deliver the news it, via Zoom, uh, everyone's sitting in their own respective, wherever they are. And um, just like a, I mean, a very, this was May, 2020, just a lot of uncertainty in the world in general, yeah. right? So I think employees, even if it's, good news. You know, hey, we sold the company. Hey, you're moving to this new company. They don't know who this new company is and right. who their new bosses or how their day-to-day is going to change. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty in general when a business is acquired and you just add in like COVID where the whole world is, you know, uncertain in, in every way. For sure, it, yeah. yeah. I think it was a tough process um, and a very strange process again, because of COVID. Some of those employees that you know, I haven't seen in person ever again you know or since mm -hmm. then. yeah um so it was it was a a strange and and particularly with zoom again like you know i delivered the news and had one-on-one -on -one conversations with everybody and then that was it you know you yeah. don't uh it's just you know you don't really speak to them again and that's and, and they're they move on to the new company right. and i've reconnected with a number of folks from that time even just a quick text you know like how are you and this and that but I actually talked to two of my former employees just today. Um, so, um, you know, I, some of them have started their own ventures during that time, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. That was one of them where I was trying to give her some advice on how to do it, it better. And, uh, and so I always made myself available. That was a good part about having some time. I was like, Hey, if I can be useful to you in, in any way, let me know. And some people took advantage of that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, a very tumultuous time and my first time I've bought and sold sites before but never a company before mm -hmm. and so it was a different experience I learned a tremendous amount about about it during that time um so but some of those problems you know there's no answer for it um unfortunately to make it to make it better but um that I, I, I think it's just truth with empathy you know I'm yeah and, and I know that you would have exhibited that you know with uh with the people you talk to but um, so I remember when we talked the first time, I got the sense that you had almost arrived at a point where you could almost rinse and repeat, you know, yeah. you, you'd almost kind of cracked the code on doing this well. And it was, you'd really reduced the, the failure, you know, you really mitigated the, the chance of failure on this, you know, to a yeah. pretty low, low percentage. And so are you even better now than you were? you know, two or three years ago, do you even have, because it sounds like to me that you, you this, you talked about a flywheel earlier, it's mm -hmm. very much almost a flywheel. Just say, you know what, we can spin one of these up every three to four months and just hire new people and just teach them how to do it. You know, give them the, the booklet on how to do it. And they just sit there mm -hmm. like, you know, jump on that hamster wheel and kind of crank this stuff out and then boom, it just happens. Yeah. Know, almost in the scale. Yeah. It's definitely possible and we're starting to develop more and more systems i think i think the people element is the tougher the toughest element to scale um because the controls on quality are very high but in terms mm. of strategy yeah again like a multiple of where i was before and a lot of that developing we had our core expertise and do we make it better do we make it tighter do we make it more predictable we have but we're developing other expertises now where i've spent the last year just dialing in on email 
Um, Cause it's like, Hey, this blog in Barben gets about 5 million visitors. Like what if we really did something with those visitors and got them to come back? And like, we know a lot about these visitors even just because of the article that they're on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always had an email list and kind of like, you know, everyone's got an email list, right? Do you like really do anything with it? And we weren't for quite a while. So we've since launched a couple of other emails, um, one being our main one and like we've really focused on it and grown it, but others like uh, we have a bodybuilding only email, which for people outside, they're like, isn't that what your whole site is? Like, no, bodybuilders like really love bodybuilding stuff specifically. And CrossFitters really loves CrossFitting mm-hmm. stuff. And they don't want to hear about the bodybuilding stuff mm-hmm. like very often, maybe on a rear moon, right? Um, and so that's been one of the big focuses that I've been on is, is can you grow that email list? And it's been incredibly powerful. It works well as a standalone business. Um, but when you're pushing your own content back out, then you just see all these signals just keep really pounding on each other. Um, you know, you're sending all these signals to Google and they're like, oh, this article is great. We'll promote it more. And then you get more emails and then you promote the articles and it just like keeps, keeps building upon itself. Yeah. Um, social, I've never been great at social, but I've gotten better. I'd say in the last couple of years, Facebook's becoming a de- decent uh, source of traffic for us. Uh, I'm actually exploring TikTok now to see if we can pull it off. YouTube's always been good for us. We're trying to get better at doing that and creating scale. So I think we're at a point um, where we, we, we would know what, rinse and repeat, I think, uh, strategy-wise, absolutely. Uh, people-wise, can we take this, these 15 people? Like, we need 15 more people that are executing really well. And uh, is that doable? Of course it is, but that's a lot of work, too, uh, to get 15 people really in sync and, like, and enjoying their life and enjoying the content and expertise and all that. So um, ultimately, I think that uh, we we will achieve that, but um, it's easier than, I don't want to make it sound too easy, too casual, or it's like when you make an investment in, uh, in a site, you know, yes, there's a 90 whatever percent chance it's going to be a success, but it's also because you got you to gotta really execute well. Right. Uh, on that and so can't just forget about it and let it run and disappear into the into yeah. the night i guess i there's just no doubt it, it's work it is certainly work but i i think that's kind of part you built that in your strategy too you know you've built that effort you built that quality you built that you know expectation and you know who you would hire and what type of person mm-hmm. you know fills those roles so uh, man i i uh, i could just sit here and ask you questions all day long but i know you got a got a life to get back to but just as we close up today, just just is there any final you know piece of advice you would give a founder that is you know kind of thinking about you know how to exit, how to exit well, how to how to balance life, you know post you know exit type thing. Just anything, just just a short you know nugget or two you want to close us out with. Yeah, I think the big thing is one um, take the time to celebrate mm-hmm. uh, and. And really, you know, you, your work has paid off and maybe it wasn't the exact text you wanted, or maybe, you know, there's a million factors, but it's a, it's a life milestone. And to take that and really appreciate it for what it is, I think is important. Um, and that was advice that I was given uh, when, when I sold. And again, it was tougher because I was sitting, 
sitting in Brentwood, Tennessee in my in-laws house, but I tried to do a little bit of that. Um, and then two, just, uh, you know, it takes a while for, for a lot of people and me hundred percent included to, to get the business out of your system. Like mm-hmm. you're running like this and, and, and going so, so manic even for, for years. And I would say, take some time and let it, let it pass through before you like make any big moves. And they, I've heard people say this about investments and starting the next business and all of this. Yeah. So if you have the, the luxury to take the time to really process like what's happened and like, not to say that you'll come to any great revelation, but just like let your system kind of reset before you, before you make the big jump and the big commitment and the, the next thing, whatever it is. And uh, that was advice that um, some of the best advice I got, I think too. And in some ways I listened in some ways I didn't. Um, <laughs> But uh, next time, that'll definitely be the case uh, to, to just like let it all let it all pass through and let yourself reset before you really um, move on to the next thing. What a great way to end today. And uh, I mean, just a, what a great piece of advice. And I mean, we can hear the advice, and but it it has to become part of who we are. You know, we've got to we've certainly got to personify that that in, in our own way. You know, you had to kind of take that new identity on and figure out what is it like to walk in Kenny Klein's shoes and be that, that person that, you know, you're aspiring to be, you know, post exit. And, um, and just, I think it's just true of any, any major life change, you know, that, that, that would probably, probably apply, but Kenny, man, I appreciate you taking the time today. It's, it's always good to catch up with you. And I, and, you know, I, I can personally attest that, you know, when I've reached out to him, even outside of podcasts, I mean, he's always been there to, to respond. So I, I'm grateful for that and, and uh, really appreciate you, you, you know, walking that out and, and, you know, living out what you just said, said you would do. And, um, but really just once again, playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Kenny, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.